0: but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech? An opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. This is Chris, and my guest today is Shane Brett with Gecko Governance. Welcome, Shane.
2: Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it's good to have you on. So, Shane, give us a bit about your background.
2: Sure. So, I uh, my background is primarily in investment funds, in hedge funds, and in asset management. So, I would have been working in that area since, got over 20 years now, since about 1997. And I worked I would have worked a lot around compliance for pension funds, 40K, 401K funds in America, and particularly on on the hedge fund side. And that would involve, involve working in the U.S. and a lot in London over here in Europe and over in Sydney and Australia quite a bit as well. And I would have written quite a bit a number of years ago, a couple of books about hedge fund regulation, and many white papers in that particular area. So uh, up until I set up a tech company three years ago, I had been one of these hedge fund compliance guys, very much um, caught up in the world of regulation and,
1: and governance. Now regulation and governance is a big topic, especially this year. I think with the developments we 've seen in the kind of the blockchain space in the last last year um, those are those are key words and what kind of things are you seeing in that for 2018
2: well yeah it's so a very interesting question, and a couple of different pieces to that I think and how we've come to this just to give you some context very quickly, is that we built a solution for managing fund regulation investment fund regulation and compliance and to provide good governance in a lot of Post 2008 financial crisis, um, um, new regulation that came out in America and in Europe. So, so a couple of years, about 18 months ago, we started to build out a some work um, around a blockchain integration with Hyperledger, to which really helped a lot of financial companies timestamp their whole audit trail of compliance. So that, so that was that was great. It, ma- it meant they could prove to the regulators what they'd done and how they followed different rules. And I think what's interesting about moving into that particular blockchain space is that particularly in the crypto world over the last, obviously, year or so with the growth in different types of of token sale projects, we can see now that the regulators are really starting to to wake up and they are starting this year um, to make noises about the kind of compliance framework and what they expect from different projects and from the crypto world in in general over in terms of how to run good projects and um, and what they'll expect to see. So what's interesting is that we we would look at this very much on a global basis and we would have offices in New York and over in uh, Sydney in Australia as well as being headquartered here in Ireland and Europe but basically that we're seeing more and more pronouncements by the leading regulators trying to work out particularly on the on the crypto side what's the best way to govern these specific types of projects and these um types of uh, of cryptocurrencies longer term and i think a key a key announcement from the G20 over the last couple of weeks was that in July the the G twenty countries and some of this some of the bodies they work with, like the like the FATF, which is this financial action task force, those guys are gonna report um and recommend some sort of global framework for managing and crypto type um, entities in the future. So even though was, there was some good news in that the the uh, some of the leading financial regulators, like like from the Bank of England, don't believe you know crypto is a or blockchain is any sort of a threat specifically to the larger global um, economy. I think the, the, probably the key metric the regulators are concerned about is the fact that nine million you know dollars a day has been lost through kind of hackers and scam projects. And what we've seen, and it's particularly around compliance and governance. In the 20 plus years I'm in financial services, every time a new, very innovative form of uh, of technology or, or financial innovation comes into play, for example, like futures and options with derivatives, or exchange traded funds, or hedge funds, or securitization, all of those particular um, interesting new forms of, of, of um, capital formation or investments initially attract you know, an enthusiastic pool of users, but eventually, for whatever reason, uh, maybe they're growing quickly or maybe they, they, they blow up, but the regulators eventually start to focus on them in more detail. And all of those areas, got you know, and, and it will happen in crypto as well, in blockchain, it will be um, regulated more tightly in the near future. And, and we're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, I saw, I was at a panel recently and they said, you know, 2018 is the year of the subpoenas, 2019 is the year of the trials. So we're going through. A, we're going through. A, yeah, I thought that was interesting, Chris. You know, so we're going through this transition period at the moment, where um, the crypto world is probably going from the the teenager into the uh the, the adults that has a mortgage and a house, you know, and a, you know health insurance to pay, and all of those particular parts of that process, the growing up process, which some people may not like, but will require much more transparent reporting to to regulators, and um, you know different types of compliance rules around the world. And also, as well from the investors' perspective, and we've seen it quite a bit. A lot of the pressure is also coming from the investor world because it's very difficult if you look at maybe 20 different um, token sale projects for a crypto fund manager to, to really do proper due diligence, uh, because the information is not available to the same level from uh, the different um, projects or entities. Uh, so we feel that's a gap in the market, which are, are um, we're working on with our new product to address. And uh, the idea being is that you know the ecosystem this whole community the blockchain crypto world will will hopefully grow larger if it can attract more mainstream money from the, from the sidelines so the more traditional um sources of funding maybe fund managers or some of the more tr- um mainstream financial institutions will be more attracted to 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 help um fund different types of capital projects um and and early stage companies if there's a better level of governance and compliance in place even though people mightn't like it or enjoy the transition but hopefully that will lead to to a larger more successful and more stable you know blockchain and crypto environment in the in the longer term
1: now let's talk more about what gecko government governance does and where it fits uh, where it's filling the gap
2: absolutely so 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 why we built this why we built this initial product that's the solution that has addressed yeah, investment fund regulation and compliance Was because I was running a consultancy in London my own business in 2011 and I was managing very, very large compliance projects for big you know, you know, um, big mainstream and well-known fund managers, and I couldn't find a simple solution, which was easy to use as a non-tech guy originally, and that enabled me to have a live view of all the different compliance work streams that I was managing. And that was a problem because a lot of these big financial institutions are based in you know 25 different countries, thousands of different employees with different languages and different rules you know in different, in different um, countries. So, eventually, three years ago, we started to build the product, and what we wanted to do was build something that would first off give these fund managers a live view of the different areas of compliance they were working on, be it tax or legal or whatever that is, and then secondly, it would allow them, more probably more importantly, if something has gone wrong, to fix it quickly. In other words, linking all into their army of Microsoft documentation and the whole workflow around all of these different parts of managing an investment fund, and lastly. As I mentioned over the last 18 months or so, we started to look at how we, how these um, financial services companies could prove to the key global regulators like the SEC or the Bank of England here over here in Europe that they've followed the correct process. So if they're bringing on an investor, there's a whole load of anti-money laundering stuff that has to be done. It's not just enough to say you've done it. They want to see that you've followed the right process and got the right details and passport, etc. And we came to the conclusion that using a blockchain was a very good way to timestamp that audit trail of compliance as a way, basically, to prove out this process that you'd followed. So very transparent. And we, we sat down with the SEC a couple of times to get their feedback, and they actually spoke at our panel in New York City last summer, talking about innovative ways to use blockchain in financial services so so that so that has been a key piece for us, just in terms of providing an assurance for financial services companies and also to their investors and specifically to the regulators that different processes were being followed properly using a blockchain timestamp which was transparent and irreversible and could be opened up on a permission basis to to the to the financial regulators. So where that has got us right now is we've opened we opened three offices around around the world to look at the you know the major the major different time zones you know asia pacific europe and also obviously the u s and um and we started to bring on you know like what we would call tier one clients so the you know the, the grand torrents of the world and the and the uh, the axis which has been great and we've expanded the team and we've brought in some seed funding from, from a VC company in America. But really, what, where where we feel now, and we're moving to just at the moment, is that our our, our VC in Boston, Cosmo Ventures, are very, very heavily involved in the crypto, crypto space and are real subject matter experts in this area. And from some of the analysis and discussions we had with them, even last summer, we could see that. The governance and the management of the process of token sales and crypto funds in particular really could easily um, and could definitely use um, much of the workflow and much of the governance structure we had in place in our existing product. And to put that into plain English, what I mean is if investors are giving you money, they want to be able to oversight what you're doing with it. The the token sale projects want to be able to manage everything from their documentation to all the different partners like tech, smart contract auditors, you know, AML, KM, marketing, PR. Similarly, the regulators want to be able to dip in and out of this, and they're going to be putting in new sets of rules in the future. And our existing product pulls all them in from different countries. And lastly, you 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 need some sort of a of a central hub that these uh, token sale projects can link into the key, um, what I would call service providers in that industry. You know, so great PR companies like Waxman, you know, uh, tech providers like Securitize, and really that whole ecosystem, um, kind of working with each other, is what our new Gecko solution, uh, Crypto One, is going to centralize. It's it's essentially going to be that cockpit whereby regulators will have quality assurance on on on, on the compliance side. Investors will have transparency and accountability into their investments, and then the token sale projects will have a way of managing and um, the, the end-to-end process for their for their compliance project. So that's really so, where we're, we're. Yeah. So when
1: you're when you're speaking to the, those di- different audiences from from regulators to institutions to investors, um, describe what it is each specific one wants to know, or what you you feel like they. They're needing more in their education to um, to trust a little bit more fully.
2: Yeah, that's that's really interesting actually because um, it's it, it's a completely different. Um, it's a, in a way, it's a completely different um, requirements to some extent from the different the different entities. So uh, just to give you an example, if we look at the four key participants, I would see in this particular space, which is the the token sale projects, you know, the regulators, the investors into those projects, and the wider ecosystem. So, if you're running a project as we are at the moment, and we're just kind of getting ready to get our authorization here in Europe to look at kicking that off, it means that you're we're learning a lot about the about how you know a good token sale project should work. And essentially, it's six or seven little mini projects dealing with attorneys in different countries, dealing with you know P.R. companies and te- you know token generation and distribution, A.M.L. and really, it's quite difficult to streamline it, and it's pretty operationally inefficient. And I wish we had our um, new solution, the one we're building um, right now, right now, to, to use for our own um, token sale because it's, it's a challenge. you know. And uh, the idea essentially is that we are going to offer these projects to enhance credibility and a more streamlined, operationally efficient process to manage their, the governance of their token sale. And a key point for the projects is that we are going to offer what we call a stamp of attestation, and that means that if the, these ICO projects follow the key know 35 or 40 steps that we have in there so in terms of transparency you know like giving a clear clear documentation around things like a foundation or you know all the the AML for investors and the directors of the of the ICO company um, they would, they'll get this stamp of attestation. And really, we've taken quite a bit of, of um, guidance from a very, very good white paper called the, uh, the called the ICO Governance Foundation, which is really talking about how the industry needs to urgently self-regulate before the hammer of compliance comes down pretty hard. And uh, and and we completely agree. We've seen it in every other space. You either self-regulate or you, you know you get exterminated, so, uh, so, 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 so to summarize that. It's very difficult if you look at maybe 20 different um, token sale projects for a crypto fund manager to really do proper due diligence uh, because the information is not available to the same level from uh, the different um, projects or entities. Uh, so we feel that's a gap in the market which are, are, um, we're working on with our new products to address and uh, the idea being is that you know, the ecosystem, this whole community, the blockchain, crypto world will, will hopefully grow larger if it can attract more mainstream money from the, from the sidelines. So the more traditional um, sources of funding, maybe fund managers or some of the more tr- um, mainstream financial institutions will be more attracted to, to, to help um, fund different types of capital projects um, and, and early stage companies if there's a better level of governance and compliance in place, even though people might not like it or enjoy the transition but well, hopefully, that will lead to to a larger, more successful, and more stable, you know, blockchain and crypto environment in the in the longer term. Now, let's talk more about
1: what Gecko government governance does and where it fits, uh, where it's filling the gap. Absolutely. So, 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 why we built this? Why we built this
2: initial product? That's the solution that has addressed yeah, investment fund regulation and compliance. Is because I was running a consultancy in London, my own business in 2011, and I was managing very, very large compliance projects for big, you know, you know, uh, um, big mainstream uh, well-known f- um, and well-known fund managers, and I couldn't find a simple solution which was easy to use as a non-tech guy originally, and that enabled me to have a live view of all the different compliance work streams that I was managing, and that was a problem because a lot of these big financial institutions are based in, you know, 25 different countries. The ICO projects enhance credibility, streamlining the process, and making it more opera- operationally efficient to have a central hub for all of their data documentation and, inter- and interaction and compliance to manage your end-to-end uh, M- M- ICO projects. Similarly for, similarly, for token sale investors, we three key things. we need. They need better transparency into their investments. They need better accountability through their due diligence and to understanding what the... Uh, every, you know, at the moment, a lot of them are looking just at you know white papers or decks or maybe a demo. You know, they need to have an ongoing discussion, and even an investor dashboard, which we have right now in our existing products, that shows even a traffic light system of where these different projects are in their governance and in their execution. So when the when the, when the money when their money is taken away and they get the tokens, that uh, you know post post um, token sale event that the actual roadmap is executed properly, that the milestones are met, and again, that you know if it's auditors, for example, if some of the big four are looking at the space actively to see how they can audit it, and similarly, if, uh, compl- if the uh, compliance guys on the regulatory side are gonna look at this, that all the documentation is available and that the project is keeping up to date. So better transparency, compliance, and accountability for token sale investors. And crucially, then the third area being the financial regulators. So that's what everyone's focusing on right now, understandably, with the, uh, with the attention from the recent round of subpoenas, which in our view is primarily like, you know, knowledge, knowledge generation to help the understanding of uh, the industry from, um, from the SEC's perspective. But what's missing, and what was missing in the funds world that we come from after the financial crisis, was for the regulators to have a clear vi- visibility into the, 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 um, the different investment funds that managers were running. And had often on the hedge fund side, ran up a lot of leverage, so they borrowed a lot of money and lost a, t- a ton of stuff in derivatives. Similarly, at the moment, the regulators are panicking because they don't have any clear visibility into this particular sector. Um, and, and, you know, the rules currently aren't in place. So all we have so far is a, um, a list of guidance from the Swiss regulator, FINMA. And certainly on the exchange side, Gibraltar's plotted something recently. But there is no, you know, um, yardstick of compliance. You know, the Securities Act obviously is 80 years old. And uh, as I read recently, you know, the SEC pink in 20-year 20 20 year spans, you know. So th- this particular new dynamic um, area of uh, capital formation for small companies it's not going to change the Securities Act enormously from 1933. So they want clear visibility into these token sales governance and, and compliance. And, I, and we believe they want a solution which can, can pull in uh, and automatically new rules and guidance as they're updated and have them applied to these projects. So that's exactly what we've built in our existing fund solution and what we'll be rolling out here for the crypto world. And lastly, the fourth kind of key area I mentioned is the token sales service providers. Within the industry, so those are some of the leading companies around uh, and legal and compliance, marketing, you know, PR, technology, AML, KYC, smart contracts, audit, etc. And and really, we want to be offer through having the um, the standard attestation and the, uh, the, the the token sale projects doing their end to end flow and work process on our solution, basically enable these service providers to access these projects and offer their services. And um, you know, have it, has have, have it as essentially a central hub, um, which enables the community to to, to participate together, and excuse me, and then grow from there. You know, and, and I've seen it before in different areas of the financial industry, whereby if you have a, a you know proper what I would call enterprise level of compliance and and um, risk in place. In other words, if you have solutions like the likes of the Fidelities or the Templetons would use to manage their risk and compliance. If you want to bring on, if you want to get a State Street of the world or an AXA or a Leg Mason to invest in this area, you need to offer them a solution that's enterprise level. In other words, it's at the level they're used to in traditional mainstream investment. And that's what we're proposing exactly to bring into this particular token sale and crypto fund space. And can I just say by way of comment, my last comment on that point, If only 1% of the funds managed by a typical trillion dollar fund manager, so like a Legg Mason or a State Street, just 1% of that came into the token sale project world, that would be $10 billion, which basically is pretty much close to twice what was raised globally from ICOs in 2017. And that's just 1% of one large manager. So our view is there's a whole wall of money waiting to go into this area, but it needs a proper governance framework and risk and compliance solution for these Tier 1 players to be able to make that jump without them getting in trouble from their own investors and from regulators. So so, so for those Tier
1: 1 group, the safety and looking out for their their investors is definitely a a priority. Now, I wanted to take a step back here. You mentioned um, token sales, and what's your... What's your pursuit of that here in 2018? Do you have a, an ICO coming?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we are in the final stage of getting approval from one of the leading um, um, countries here in Europe um, for, from the Financial Services Authority um, in that particular country. We should be able to announce details in the next two weeks. And what we are doing, basically, is you know, practicing what we preach here. So we, we are going to be oversight and regulated by an actual country's financial regulator you know, again, to keep to keep us in line, which I do think is great. You know, we have already, um, you know, we've raised a million dollars last year from that VC company in Boston, and uh, we are act. We actually were one of the founding members from the International RegTech Association. So that's the uh, the governing body for, for you know in, in promoting and enhancing regulation technology globally, and you know, we're very involved with their blockchain um, chapter particularly. So, from from our perspective, we see that this particular solution we're deploying, as well as our existing fund solution, as we'll be selling our tokens to, um, to, uh, to crypto fund managers and accredited investors, we see a real direct utility for this immediately because many of these guys might be invested in 20 different token projects, and they could be monitoring another 20 as well. But but there is no we could find no solution in the market, which as well as managing the compliance and governance, enables them to see in a central place quickly how their investments are performing and also how these different um, projects are are, um, are being executed you know in accordance with their business plan or milestones. And that's exactly what we what we are going to provide and what we already provide in the funds world from a compliance perspective for those particular managers. So our aim is to kick off our private sale in the in the middle of April and then hopefully to con- con- conclude that um, we are. i probably estimate by around the end of May, latest. Okay,
1: very good. Now, like how you mentioned uh, much earlier in the podcast, twenty eighteen is the year of subpoenas and twenty nineteen is the year of the trials. What um, what do you personally think will lead? From the subpoena level to the trial, you know, say company X is getting the subpoenas. What gets them involved in the trial aspect, or what removes them from that
2: trial aspect? So I can tell you exactly what I've seen in the hedge fund world, which is the native world I come from. Which, and I'm not going to pretend it was a pleasant experience after the financial crisis because it certainly wasn't. But um, if you look, if you will look online for that period between 2008 and 2000, maybe 11. Kind of post, you know, Bernie Madoff's uh, scandal and uh, Lehman's collapsing. There was a whole rash, you know, there was an avalanche of hedge fund uh, scandals. But um, what really happened was um, quite a number of fairly tough jail sentences were handed down for the most um, for the most outrageous fraudsters, you know, and the and the worst pyramid pyramid schemes. And what I saw in the work in America. And I think one difference between America and Europe is that in Europe, the rules rules themselves can often be much more prescriptive in in, uh, securities and financial services. They can be very, very detailed. And the fines can be very large. But over here in Europe, people don't tend to get jailed quite as quickly. In the U.S., where people can end up in a federal penitentiary pretty quickly... So uh, I've seen I've seen some of the on the hedge fund side guys getting between seven and fourteen years in prison, and basically having their wives indicted and everything, and uh, which I thought really couldn't wouldn't happen, and then having issues with the kid with the children. So quite an ugly landscape, and then um, really I think what will happen here, and when you look at some of the SEC's pronouncements in quarter four, like 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 the Munchie um, ICO that was uh, the project that was stopped. I mean I thought that was quite um, a gentle. A gentle um, and push, um, as opposed to something that could have been much more severe. And I think, I think the feedback we've received from uh, people who've met the SEC is that they're not looking to um, completely outlaw the space; they're just looking to understand it. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's that's um, kind of an interesting viewpoint from you know, explaining the the European background, where you know you have those prescriptive measures. And you have the SEC looking, it seems like they're looking in that direction, the understanding and, you know, um, not looking to explode whatever whatever the issue is and just make things work better for the future. So those are those are great comments. Um, I was so, just going to say, one thing you guys are
2: so lucky about for in the U.S. is that one of the things the SEC is you know, mandated to do is to increase capital formation, you know, for small companies, and we don't really have that in Europe. So that's one of the reasons I they think they're exploring because they think that, you know, this is an interesting way if they can regulate it properly for, you know, for companies to have access to capital quickly that they mightn't have had
1: previously. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great viewpoint. So, Shane, tell us, um, tell us what you see beyond 2019. We, we had some levels for 2018 and 2019. What do you see going on in, um, in this area of of technology. I think there's loads of exciting things to come. I think we're we're in we're we just, just starting to
2: move into this transitioning phase in this growing up phase. And I mean even on the wider blockchain piece, we would do a lot of work with some of the leading financial and fund companies globally. And really the next I'd say even the next year, a lot of them are still in terms of deploying very interesting um, ways that blockchain can improve their financial services processes and their compliance. In many ways they are It's still in the innovation lab and it's still in the test environment. We find quite a lot. Sometimes the innovation teams, it takes them time to convince. The normal, you know, the normal day-to-day guys in the operational departments to roll out some of these um, blockchain enhancements. But definitely, uh, going into 2019, I think we're going to see more and more of them being turned on, which is great. And we've been involved with a number of them, but they tend to be at kind of advanced POC stage and people because you're educating people about the the, the technology, and then obviously they have to learn about the benefits. So it takes a little bit longer, as, as it does with any specifically I suppose, disruptive technology we focused on regulation in particular because you know big financial institutions they can't they can't ignore it you know they have to do it you know it's kind of like i suppose people with their you know with their tax their tax return you know you're not going you're going to have to do it so it's a good area to work out ways that you can do it more efficiently or maybe uh, do a better job and you know have the regulators them um, take some heat off you so that's been a key focus and i think the you know, going into 18 months, two years, we're going to see a much wider movement towards blockchain as an actual production environment and how that can, number one, bring operational efficiencies to uh, some of the big financial players. Uh, obviously, on the banking side, the banks are always quick to jump on, on new technology if it reduces their cost. In the world that we come from, which is asset management, it, uh, finan- uh, it tends to be a little bit slower, but I can see that movement happening for sure. In terms of specifically around cryptocurrency and around um, the uh, and around some of these very interesting ideas uh, to raise money with token sales, absolutely. The next this year and next year, this transition period, the headlines, the, the, the you know some of the scams that are discovered, the the avalanche which is going to come of new regulation, all takes time for for it to be digested by this new this new very dynamic and interesting area of the market, and. I saw it again, as I said, like in hedge funds and securitization and derivatives. Uh, when new pieces of regulation came out, that particular market segment had to kind of hold its breath, review and understand what what was going to happen and what was required, what the regulator wanted, and then make those changes and then, you know, build out their new business model for that. So, but the, under, the underlying enhancement, if it was, you know, exchange-traded funds, or mortgage-backed securities that never disappeared. It was just regulated properly or in a different way, and that's exactly what I feel is going to happen in you know two, two, two to five years with this um, this new area, particularly around token sales, like as a new form of raising capital for, for companies with really disruptive and inventive uh, ideas, with a good team and you know a good, even a good prototype or a good minimum viable product. I think that that is going to remain as potentially a very exciting way to uh, to grow a company quickly um, and in a non-dilutive fa- fashion. And I think it's going to affect the VC world in particular because they're going to become, I think, more gatekeepers to investors in terms of like in, a, in terms of giving potential projects a credibility by saying they've reviewed them and they think these are, you know, best in class in a particular area. So there's some very interesting ideas ar- around that, around that. And, and specifically, once this transition period starts starts, starts to, to fall away and we have a set, globally agreed, and a set of at least guidelines or principles for how these type of token sales projects should work, you know, whether, for, a good question, like whether, for example, uh, you know, a, a token sale should, should have a foundation. You know, there's different views on that. And really, we, I actually think at the moment the fact that Switzerland has come out first with some of these regulatory views means in a lot of ways there's a good chance that that will become sta- uh, the, 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 the embryo for a standard framework globally. And of course the SEC will have their own views. Our Our, re- our regulator here in Europe is called ESMA and they regulate 28 countries. So they will have their own view as well. But, um, but, but normally the U.S. in particular and Europe manages at the principles level to agree you know, what, uh, what any new financial um, innovation is a minimum level of compliance required. And I can already see that 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 white paper I mentioned from the ICO Governance Foundation, which is really excellent, and covers a lot of these key areas for what they believe is best practice. I definitely think they're going to be the uh, the embryo for future um, for future uh, compliance in this particular space. But longer term, three to five years, you know, I think people will look back and um, and they'll recognise the fact that. We've gone through a turbulent time, certainly more recently. That's obviously affected the prices of, of cryptocurrencies, and um, which I think is certainly the likes of Ether. I think are very is very low at the moment. But but that um, long, longer term, I think people will look back and agree at this this difficult transition period. You know where the it, it, where it's harder potentially to attract investors, and um, also regulators are putting pressure on from their side. But that essentially a, a cleaner, more efficient, better governance. Um, you know, space comes out of this as as a way then to grow for in the future. and you know the dead, the dead or the fat or whatever is cut off um, this particular area of um, capital raising and instead it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good basis to grow in the future. and as I said, hopefully will attract f- um, even a small amount of money for some of these leading um, financial managers. Fund managers, which would make a colossal impact on the opportunities for smaller companies, and uh, you know, to have that have a good team and a good plan, and then maybe a good initial product. Shane, it's been so great hearing your
1: expert knowledge today, and especially your predictions for the future. Where's the best place that people can find out more about you and Gecko governance? So if you want to check out
2: geckogovernance.com, that would be great. And you can find out all the details about our existing company, existing product, and our our, our, um, our token sale coming down the track next month. And, uh, of course, uh, Shane at geckogovernance.com, people are always more than welcome to email me. And, uh, you know, as I said, we we have an office in New York. We're in the States regularly, and we're over in Australia quite a bit as well. So living on, living on the, the red eyes quite a bit these days.
1: Great. <laughs> right. Shane, thank you so much for joining us today. Brilliant, Chris, thank you so much for having me. Change that with gecogernance dot com. And we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Future Tech Podcast. We will catch you here next time.
0: Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is gonna be a gigantic conference of over five thousand people. We're gonna be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're gonna be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity that started in 2012. Early adopters act now, they don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing and cybersecurity Will play a pivotal role in our lives as well, and that's why our next event, September fourteenth to the sixteenth at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only five thousand plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter? Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's Blockchain Future Tech expo.com thank you you have been listening to almost here around the corner of future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs subscribe to this podcast both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as bitcoin artificial intelligence 3d printing blockchain virtual reality and more